It's not always easy to find the positive. You might even need to search for happiness. Sometimes, just a little inspiration can make the difference. Here, it comes from unexpected places. Welcome to the Tangential Inspiration Podcast. Hi, I'm Teresa. And I'm Amy. We are two ordinary moms looking for inspiration wherever we can find it. So, Teresa, what was your favorite part of last week? Well, sad part is my son is back down at school. So, I mean, exciting for him, but still, mom, hard to say goodbye. But I got a note that he is pretty pumped that he is the section leader again in um, the concert band for the oboe. That's awesome. So, he's very excited. And then I got my booster shot. Yay. So, I saw that. Biden got his today, so yeah. I was pretty excited that I beat Biden getting, <laughs> getting my booster. Good for you. So yeah, I'm, it was a good week. Yay. So my shorts for this week have to do with food. Oh, <laughs> we, we love oh, food. I like food. That's fun. And we've talked a lot about food on here yeah. and how it brings people together, whether it's Cooking food with your community. Right, yeah. Like Marcus Samuelson in episode five, or the importance of family meals with Maria Goff. And Sweet talked, Maria. Yeah, yeah, Sweet Maria in episode 14, where it can actually kind of feed your soul, like Aaron French, you talked about in episode 30, or David Chang in episode 45. These um, two stories are less about the food and more about how these people use food to make a difference for others. Oh, so, yeah. So, all feel good. Elliot Middleton runs a restaurant that's famous for ribs. Oh, So okay. not necessarily my thing, but his restaurant totally is. Middleton and Maker's Village Barbecue is in Awendaw, South Carolina. He started this restaurant as a mobile kitchen featuring barbecue recipes handed down from his great-great-grandmother, Aww. which is cool right yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. But um, she used a vinegar-based barbecue sauce that the recipe dates back to 1892. Wow. That's a so l- a tried and true barbecue recipe. It must be really good. I know. <laughs> just, I would go there just for just to test that out. Stand the test of time. And for more reasons as I, yeah. as I go over this. He later teamed up with Charles Maker, who was a restaurant entrepreneur and started a successful brick-and-mortar establishment that is very popular in South Carolina. Elliot wasn't always a chef. Growing up, he followed his father around, who was an auto mechanic, and learned how to fix cars and help out his dad. Oh, okay. Which I just yeah. think is adorable. Yeah, I love that. With his father, he worked on tons of cars over the years and learned to do just about every type of repair. Elliot and his father worked on cars together for about 17 years. It's a long wow, time. that's a long time, yeah. Um, they even owned a repair shop together for about 10 years. Ultimately, a passion for cooking led Elliot into a different direction, and but he never stopped loving, you know, working on cars. Oh. So when his dad died, Elliot wanted to do something to honor his father. Elliot had learned from his father that a car was more than just a way of getting places. A car meant you could get to work to earn a living. A car meant you could get family members to their doctor appointments. Yeah. A car meant you could get groceries for your family. In the rural south, you can't rely on public transportation or Uber. If you want to get somewhere, you drive. And if you can't drive, you walk or you ride a bike. Right. So Elliot saw this with his own eyes and just the impact of not having a reliable car had on people in his community. In November of 2019, he helped with a food drive. After giving out about 250 boxes of food, they looked and saw there still was a line of cars. But what struck Elliot even more was the number of people who had walked 
to oh, the food drive. Man. Yeah. He caught up with some of the people and told them that they had walked three to five miles just to get the food drive, you know, the, the boxes at the food drive because they didn't have a car. They didn't even have a chance of making it on time to get the food from the food drive because they had to walk. So it was at that point that he knew how to honor his father. Elliot started trading broken down vehicles for plates of his ribs, oh, which I just that's love. Sweet. People could bring cars, running or not, and yeah. donate them, and they'd get free ribs for their donations. I love that. Elliot would work at the restaurant five to six days a week. Then he'd fix the vehicles on his free time. Often with his daughters looking over his shoulder, so oh, still keeping it in yay. the family. He spends the time he's not working at the restaurant working on getting the donated vehicles running again. So he said, I like working on cars with a lot of problems because that's my time to relate to my father, speak with him, because that's what we've always done together, Elliot says. Makes me feel like he's right there. It's helping me as much as it's helping the people. I give the cars, too, because this is allowing me to cope with the fact that my dad's not here anymore. I just think that's touching. Once the cars are running, he gives them to people in the community with no strings attached. They get a working car and the title all for free. Elliot notes that this can be a huge game change for people in his community. One woman, Melanie Lee, had a 2007 Chevy Tahoe that she used to go visit her son who was in the hospital. For four months, Melanie made the hours-long round trip each day. Unfortunately, her son didn't survive, and within a few days of her son's funeral, the Tahoe died as well. Melanie was left without a working vehicle and was unable to shop, go to church, and worse, unable to visit her son's children that desperately needed to see their grandma. Yeah, yeah, golly. So on Christmas morning in 2020, Melanie heard someone knocking on the door. This is going to make me cry. It was Elliot as he handed her the keys and title to a working 1993 Oldsmobile. And while it's not a fancy car by any means, it worked, and it gave Melanie the freedom to see her grandchildren and be part of their lives. One of Elliot's friends, another mechanic, has joined Elliot on his mission. They've received about 100 car donations. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. They've given away 33 working cars to people in the community with transportation needs. This is, you know, absolutely life-changing for many of the people in the community. Oh, totally. Uh, This reminds me of my old church, St. Matthew's Lutheran Church. They had a program where people would donate cars, and then they would fix them up and give them to people in need in the community. And they also offered a little, at at the church, you could do a course on just like some basic maintenance, Mm -hmm. you know, like oil changes. And (laughs) I I always wanted my kids and, you know, I, I just thought that was a neat. That's very smart. Yeah. You know, to teach people yeah. as well how to care yeah. for the car. So life skills, life skills, like that's exactly. That's Adulting. what I was learning. Yes. So Elliot has um, set up a nonprofit charity that accepts both cars and cash donations called Middleton's Village to Village Foundation. He said a lot of people turn to their pastors or psychiatrists to open up about their situations, but others turn to their communities. That's what I'm here for, to always be here for my community, whether it's for advice or to talk or to fix up their cars. I'll always be taking care of people. This guy is just my oh, role model so that sweet. he yeah. like lives for other people. Right. Everything is about others. Yeah. Not but a good heart. Yeah. It's so sweet. So my second part of this is still related to food. It has to do with a restaurant taking customer service and delivery to a whole new height. Echabon Restaurant in Baltimore, Maryland received a request from a guy in Vermont for their recipe of tempura 
broccoli. The man of Vermont, Brandon Jones, was asking because his mother-in-law was dying, sadly, from Aww. stage four lung cancer. And this was her favorite meal. Oh, Which I think is so sweet on yeah. his part. Every time she came to Baltimore, she'd stop in at Ekebon, an Asian fusion restaurant, and get the dish, which was tempura broccoli with fresh herbs, diced onion, and fermented cucumber and vinegar. That's the part I'm curious about. Yeah, that's fermented yeah, a little cu- bit of... Yeah, that sounds good. Acid. <laughs> <laughs> She even joked before with her family that this was the dish she wanted to have on her deathbed. So Stephen Chu, one of the owners of Ekebon, replied back and said they would not share the recipe, but they would, however, be willing to come to Vermont and make the dish special for Brandon's mother-in-law. Of course, Brandon's first response was, you do realize we're in Vermont. (laughs) That's a trek. Yes. And like a a nine-hour drive. Wow. So Stephen said he understood and that they just needed to know when and where. Brandon and Stephen shared the information, picked a date. And so Stephen and his partner, Ephraim Abibi, drove overnight, stayed at an Airbnb rental to meet Brandon. They opened up the tailgate of the pickup they drove in, pulled out the ingredients, plugged in a hot plate, and cooked the tempura broccoli right there on the tailgate. Which are just so sweet. And they're sweet, too. Yes! So they boxed it up, rang the doorbell at Brandon's mother-in-law's house. She had no idea who was ringing the doorbell until she opened the door and instantly recognized the smell of her favorite meal. They need to make a movie out of this. After that, she recognized Stephen and Ephraim from the many times she had frequented their restaurant. She was in shock. She just kept saying, I don't understand. You drove all the way up here to cook for me. She was elated and felt honored that they would do that just for her. Both she and her daughter cried at the generosity of the Ekebon owners. Stephen Chu said that he remembered Brandon's mother-in-law, who wished to remain unnamed, because she had always complimented them on how wonderful their food was. Which I think is telling right there. I think that's very sweet. Always be kind because people remember it. Yeah, for sure. She loved the food and made sure to tell people. She is an amazing, sweet lady, is what Stephen said. The Joneses invited Stephen and Ephraim to join them, but they had to decline since they needed to get back to their restaurant. (laughs) They also refused any money offered by the family. They said it was our honor to help fulfill the family's wishes. This was about her, not us. There was a lot of good positive energy in doing this, said Chu. I'm not always adventurous when I eat, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> but, but if I ever go to Baltimore, you can bet I will be yeah, eating Ekebon. Maybe not the broccoli, yeah. the tempura broccoli, but such a great story. Oh, I love that. Oh. You know me and my aversion to anything. <laughs> trendy or popular and someday I'll have to unpack that a bit but I'm definitely growing through the podcast and I love researching and learning new things about people some of them are people I've been curious about for a while and just never taken the time yeah and then others are people I have not necessarily been interested in and I've wondered what the fuss is about with some people my latest one is Serena Williams okay yeah I don't follow tennis, and Serena right. Williams falls into the crazy popular category. Right, so, right. Obviously, I I don't know. I didn't know much about her. I still don't. But I'm I read her book and learning a little bit more about this tennis icon. I can totally see why she's so revered and deserves that spot as a role model for young people. Well, I should say people because I think young and old could yeah. take a lesson from. Serena Williams. So, with that in mind, know that I knew virtually nothing about Serena Williams going into this, so I might share things that 
I'm the only one that's in the dark, but I so admire Serena's drive, her work ethic, and there's there's a lot more to this girl. I love that she's setting a solid, healthy example for a daughter. Yeah. Like you said. Yeah. And just doing her best in life, which is really what we all should strive for. Serena appears to have it all. Strength, beauty, successful, and long-lasting. I mean, her career. Oh, yeah. She won like her first big tournament at 17, I want to say. She's been playing since she she was little, little. Is she 30 yet? She, um, I saw yesterday on Instagram. Yeah. A thing to post was wishing her a happy birthday, happy 40th. Oh, so. She looks so good. She does. (laughs) So she's been playing tennis a while. She's been been at it a while. That is awesome. So a long career career. for this, for, you know, a sport. So that's all out there for people to see. But as is often the case, most of us haven't seen the hours of sweat. Right. The tears. The behind the scenes. The, uh, yeah, the grit to get where they are, the dedication, and just things that they have to give up, sacrifices they make. And right. I'm not just referring to, you know, things on the tennis court. Serena was born in Michigan. She's the youngest of five girls. They made their way west and settled into Compton, a Los Angeles suburb. All the girls were crammed into one bedroom. Wow. They only had four. She said bunk beds. So she said something about, you know, do the math. We right. had four beds, and so that meant she had to, she was the youngest. She would sleep with, take turns sleeping with a different sister. And I I loved that she had a sense of humor about it. She, being the youngest, got to share a bed with each of the sisters, and they'd get to know each other. Oh, yeah. So she felt closer to each sister right. because they'd have that time together that the, the other sisters. chat, yeah. you know, <laughs> in bed or whatever, you know. It's just yeah. I love that. I think it's sweet. And instead of dwelling on the fact that she didn't have her own bed, right? she focused on how it reminded her that she fit in everywhere, which oh, I loved that that's concept, too. a great way too. to look at it, yeah. She could have looked at it as she didn't fit in anywhere. She didn't even have her own bed. You know, she right. could have had a chip on her shoulder, but instead she looked at it the opposite. And I just, I love that. I'm going to file it away and use it myself someday with putting a positive spin when she was eight years old, they went to some clinic with a she knew Billie Jean King was going to okay. be there, and she was super pumped, very excited. And she not only was excited to learn from her, but she was more excited to impress Billie Jean King. Oh. So her older sister, Venus, held her own, and she was playing well in front of Billie Jean King, but poor Serena couldn't say the same. She said she still thinks back on that experience, not so much with regret, but with a reminder that life has disappointments. Oh, yeah. And she said it's still worth taking chances to do things in life that we want to That'd do. That'd be nerve-wracking if, oh it's my somebody, gosh. if it's somebody you just admire yeah. so much and then you're, even if Mess you're up. a really good, yeah. really good uh, player. And she was eight years old. Right, right. I think she just wanted to be noticed yeah. by, and her yeah. tell her how good she was. And instead, she kind of flopped out there. Oh. And But, it, you know, it, it was a lesson for yeah. her. She still thinks about it. Her dad taught her how it's how you respond to bad patches that define you. And I just think that's so true. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's how you regain your footing that sets you apart. Her dad would know. He was born in 1942 in Louisiana, at a time, you know, huge racial turmoil in our country. Serena's parents both worked hard. Her mom was a nurse. Her dad had his own security company. So he would at times be able to homeschool them. Oh, that's nice. And obviously nice. he got yeah. to take them and do a lot of the training and whatnot. So his schedule was pretty flexible with his own business. Her parents didn't grow up playing tennis. They saw it as an opportunity for their daughters. 
so they learned everything they could about the game to prepare their daughters. Wow. Serena was often working with her mom. Yeah. And Venus, the older sister, was working with her dad. They didn't have the money for fancy country club membership or even a proper racket, for that matter. Young Serena played with an adult-sized racket. Wow, that's probably hard for the grip. I know, but she said, you know, it's part of, it made her who she is, and maybe that's why she has that amazing serve. Right. It's all they had. They played on public courts in Compton where it wasn't unheard of to hear what she said sound like fireworks, but it actually was gunshots. Right. In the background, in the distance. Their father would put a spin on that, too, reminding them that if they could focus on their play through that. Yeah. It, well, that's you know, pretty disruptive, oh, you know. For me, yes. Yeah. No way would I be out there. But it, it made their game stronger with their ability to focus. Laser focus, yeah. yeah. The sisters would pile into their yellow Volkswagen van and head to the courts rain or shine. The Williams family definitely didn't make a bunch of excuses, which yeah. I totally admire. She said that people either admired her father or resented him. I think a lot of people think that parents really pushed them into tennis because they did eat, breathe, sleep. Everything was tennis, tennis. But they didn't want their daughters playing big tournaments, you know, true tournaments until they were older because they didn't want them burnt out. Right. And really, ultimately, which I think is wise. Yeah, totally. Serena pointed out that ultimately the choice was their own. Oh, that's great. So her parents didn't want them burning out. They wanted them to focus on honing their skills. I just think it was a really good good choice on their part. When Venus was finally old enough to get to play in a tournament, her little sister wanted to do the same. Feisty and determined, Serena registered herself when they arrived at the tournament. So she snuck and did this. Yeah, good for her. (laughs) When the officials commented to the dad about the younger Williams playing on another court, Her father was certain it was a mistake that, you know, he hadn't registered her. He hadn't paid for her. Yeah. And, but sure enough, there she was. (laughs) She did all right, too. And her dad would later tease her about owing him the entrance fee. One tournament she didn't want to return to was the Indian Wells tournament. For whatever reason, the crowd was heartless to young Serena and had, like, the worst spectator behavior. In her book, she said, you can YouTube it and and go look at it. And I'm like, why would I want to? I'm not going to. I, I trust her. It was definitely not acceptable to tennis etiquette. Because isn't it quiet? Yeah. Tennis is quiet. It's supposed to be. Yeah. But it wasn't, I mean, they were, they clearly didn't like Serena or the family. But um, the stadium was clearly in favor of the opponent, booing young Serena. Some were even yelling the N-word. Oh, no. I know. This is a young girl. Venus and her father filed in and sat in their seats the dad sat down and gave a double fist bump in the air. Oh, good for him. And she yeah. said she she wasn't saying that it was right or wrong. Right. But she was just pointing to it as an example of, you know, her father being true to himself. And also using this a harsh reality check with yeah. just how these people could behave. Oh, it's despicable. She During the tournament, she prayed and cried into her towel. Aww. So she was happy that she was all sweaty because yeah. you couldn't really tell that she was crying. Her prayer reminded me so much of my middle guy, Spencer, who used to love Bible Man. Have you ever heard oh, of Bible no, Man? no, I haven't. So originally it was Willie Ames. I don't know who replaced him. Super cheesy. Super Aww. cheesy. But it's like a superhero type thing. Okay. That is... Bible based, but it, for what kids reason. like veg, Veggie Tales. Oh yes, so it's kind I of I loved a, Veggie Tales. So it's on the same thing, yes, but more yes. superheroish, um, but n- not as professional. Probably. Okay, but okay. yes. So you'll just look up Bible Man. You'll All see right, what I'm talking I'll about. I'll check it out. 
So Serena was on the court praying Ephesians 6, Mm. which must be about putting on the shield of faith. Yeah. Which, Mm. Bible man. So that's what it reminded me of. The whole scene just breaks my heart. But it also gives me hope. Here's this young woman. She could have run off the court to never play tennis again. And after how she was treated... That's really what the spectators wanted her to do. Right, right. That's awful. So I'm I'm happy that instead she dug in, grounded herself in her faith, and got the job done. Yeah. She'd point out that at the end of the day, her and Venus were just a couple of kids trying to do their best. Right. Which is really what it's all about. So I say shame on, you know, those adults <sighs> in the stadium yeah. behaving that way. Venus and Serena wouldn't return to the tournament after that. For some reason, I I feel better knowing that. Yeah, which I know isn't inspiring behavior on my part, but I'm I'm human. I love her honesty about being a bratty younger sister. <laughs> she said that the older sisters, you know, were always fixing her hair. Aww. She at times would get away with murder and blame somebody else. Yeah, and she Aww. got away with it usually. Some of the things she did and got away with were crazy. <laughs> I guess that happens when you have five daughters. Right. Probably a lot to keep track of. I'm sure. I also love how she talks about Venus, her older sister. It's just with such admiration and respect. And not just her airy, you know, knowing about tennis. Right. But just a genuinely kind human. Even more so. The press would make remarks about Serena not amounting to much in comparison to her older sister in the in the early days. Yeah, I guess I don't remember that, but yeah. But she definitely Yeah, does. I'm sure. Yeah, I just, yeah. My- and it, it stuck with her. Fortunately, it didn't make her resent her older sister, Venus, who was obviously more successful at the time. But instead, it just fueled a fire in her to work hard and prove them wrong. Wow. She was like, I'm not going to... Yeah. Not amount to anything because that's what you guys are saying about me. She's got such spirit. She does. I love it. One tournament, Venus got the gold trophy and Serena won the silver. And knowing that her sister won in the gold, Venus gave her the trophy and said that she preferred silver anyway. Which you know, she didn't prefer silver. She wanted gold. They were competitive girls. But I just love that she knew her sister wanted that gold. Right, right. I love. I just love that gesture, and I can see why Serena still, that's her favorite trophy to this day, is that trophy that her sister gave her. There was a day at school that Serena forgot her lunch money, and they were having fried chicken, which must have been, like, one of her favorite things. Yeah, And at her school, for anyone who uh, forgot their lunch, they'd have to wait in a separate line. It was kind of like a line of, you know, line of shame where you got a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Oh. So she told Venus that she had forgotten her lunch money, and Venus gave Serena her lunch money, walked over and stood in the line, and she got a peanut butter and jelly oh, sandwich. And What like, a nice I big know. sister. Yeah. So just love it. I love that the sisters have worked together to spread positivity and hope around the world. In the 50s, tennis was, you know, like I said, predominantly a white sport. Yeah. Heck, so is triathlon. I just read literally yesterday that we finally have a professional black female triathlete. It's 2021. Wow. What? And we finally, I mean, it's yeah. about time. Yeah. But I love that Venus and Serena have, have totally changed the tennis field. She loves being an inspiration for little black girls and a reminder that you can do anything you set your mind to with hard work. Serena's donated time and money for a tennis center in Washington, D.C., and I love that she's paying it forward with the good fortune that she's earned because she definitely has earned. I mean, it's not luck for her. Right. It's definitely hard work. Sweat and tears, blood, sweat, tears, whatever (laughs) the saying goes. I knew that um, Jehovah Witnesses didn't celebrate. They don't celebrate birthdays or um, 
Christmas. Okay. Mm-hmm. I didn't know, I know. But I didn't know that they don't vote. Or at least according to Serena, they don't participate okay. in political elections, but instead they just maintain neutrality. Okay. So for her, faith is a major part of her life. And she's tried to remind people to open their hearts to the idea that there's something bigger out there, something bigger than we can know. And can you imagine opening the door and mm-hmm. finding Serena Williams at, at your, your door? door? Wow. And I guess yeah. for some people, that's really what happened as she's, you know, shared her faith. I think she did say at times it was a little distracting for people. So I think she kind of scaled back from that. But Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure they their jaw dropped. <laughs> I'm sure. She's also shared her heart and wealth with children in Africa, in part because her ancestors came from Africa and in part because they have just so little and any money makes a huge difference there versus in the States. Yeah. I mean, money goes a long ways right. there. It was on a trip to Africa that she concluded nothing could break her, the confidence that we know her for. Yeah. So she visited this, I guess they're called the slave castles. And she said they, it was just horrific. They still had smells in there. Oh. And it was, it was a hard trip. But she decided that if her ancestors could go from the horror of surviving those slave castles, surviving the trip across the ocean, yeah. and then continuing to endure and survive the horrors of slavery in the yeah. States... She had special blood running through her veins. Oh, so man. she just yeah. was like, no one can stop me. I guess the one person she wanted to meet, according to her MySpace page, that tells you her age right oh, there. Wow. <laughs> wow. I, yeah. Was Nelson Mandela. Oh, okay. So that yeah. made me love her more. Yes. And that dream came true um, on a trip to Africa. She was at a, a mall, actually, and people were waiting for her to do, um, like, a photo op and okay, do yeah. autographs and whatnot. And she got word that, hey, Nelson Mandela has a couple minutes. Can you get down here? So she asked her fans, you know, she's like, and they totally were supportive of it. Oh, they let so her go. Sweet. Yeah, Very cute. sweet. All, all the way around. His schedule was crazier than hers. So when people <laughs> called. It's coming. Go. Yes, she just, they knew how important it was to her. So she raced to meet him. She also played Dennis when she was in Africa with some children that had AIDS. They were, um, were orphan kids. And she just was touched with how happy it made these young kids and how much it meant to them. Yeah. You know, that it put a smile on their face faces when they just had so little to be happy about. So she opened the Serena Williams Secondary School in Kenya in 2008, and she's a co-founder of schools in Jamaica. Oh, wow. She's That's also great. a goodwill ambassador for UNICEF, which I still, yeah. eventually we're going to, I'm going to do yeah. UNICEF because I know Pink. Right. She's one of the goodwill ambassadors. She's not afraid to roll up her sleeves and do the work. And that's another reason I admire Serena Williams. She might have only had one person she wanted to meet on her MySpace page, but Serena Williams definitely has a whole lot of fans. Michelle Obama. Oh, yeah. Being a long time. Yeah. Fan. When Serena made her historic sixth win at Wimbledon in 2015, Michelle Obama gave a shout out to her on Twitter. Oh. And because I guess Serena Williams supports the Girls Opportunity Alliance. It's a program started by the Obama Foundation. They aim to lift up and help girls around the world, adolescent age girls, oh. through grassroots leaders to take action, through education, oh, cool. to, to just better themselves. Yeah. But their aim is pretty basic, just to educate, connect, and collaborate. Another person I'm pretty certain admires Serena Williams is Naomi Osaka. She, after winning her first Grand Slam in September, defeating Serena Williams in apparently a controversial match. I haven't seen it. I don't know. But 
Anyway, the crowd was booing Naomi Osaka as she stepped up to accept the trophy. Serena Williams swept in, shut it down, and gave Naomi words of encouragement. I just love that she took the high road. She did the right thing. Total class act. Oh, that's awesome. Total class act. Yeah. And, I, I mean, she knew what it was like from that Indian Wells tournament. And right. How to be treated. So, yeah. yeah I'm so, I so wish that yeah. the person back when she was that young girl had done that for her. But right. I, I love that things are changing and, and she's making it better. As I noted, we don't often see the suffering on the inside people are experiencing. And Serena has definitely had her share of heartbreaks. Obviously, she has the same ones as the rest of us. She had a boyfriend who totally blew her off. And completely ghosted her. She has uh-huh. had a series of injuries that yeah. mean a lot more to her than they would to us. Right. Keep her out of the game. But most definitely the hardest thing she had to deal with or has had to has been the death of her oldest sister. Oh. Which I didn't know this. Yeah. She she was in denial with it at first. But her sister, Utundi, was on a date back in Compton. Okay. And someone shot into their SUV. You know, oh. And she was pretty much... Caught in the crossfire, and in an instant, her larger-than-life sister was gone. It didn't help that she was nursing in it. Serena was, at the time, nursing a, I want to say, a hamstring injury. And um, her sister had been helping her with mysteries of stuff. And she just ended up depressed, as I'm sure most of us would be. Yeah, I can't imagine. I can't either. But I appreciate her openness about depression and the signs that it can vary so much with different people. For sure. And it just reminded me that if this confident, amazing woman yeah. can have bouts of depression, it can happen to anyone. Yeah. Of course, she was in the spotlight. The press would ask why she was so out of shape. Oh. Ouch. Yeah. You were so critical. I know. Seriously. They'd known how she was fat. They, um, that just the things that they said were terrible. They said that she was a has-been. So, um... I guess that's the cost of being famous, but thank goodness she didn't listen to them. Or more so, she didn't allow them to hold her back. She kind of used it as ammunition. She commented that for every negative comment, there are millions of good ones, which is true. So, you know, I love that. I mean, we need to focus. Focus on the good. Exactly. We have the power to choose where we focus. The poor girl um, also developed a pulmonary embolism. In February 2011, it was treated for hematoma. So meds helped with the blood clotting outside of the blood vessels, which I guess is what it is. But she said that having a pulmonary embolism is definitely easier than than heartbreak. That just makes me relate so much to Serena Williams that she can be so honest about heartache. Hard work, determination, and grit are all qualities I admire, and Serena Williams has those in spades. She proved those journalists wrong, not only having more titles than her sister Venus, yeah, wow. um, but making her a name for her herself. Venus has 49 singles, I guess, yeah. and Serena has 73. Wow. So she's the only person to win the Serena Slam, which is winning four consecutive Grand Slams in a row, and she did it 10 years apart. Wow. So like I said, she's That's got a long amazing. career. Yes. really is amazing. She did get back on top, and while it didn't last as long the second time around, she still came back. Yeah. When she was seated number one again, she said she had waited five years and one month for that spot. So clearly, she was keeping track. 
I love how she's relatable, sharing her feelings of inadequacy with motherhood. Yeah. Um, I guess when her when the baby was little, she was trying to pump in between training sessions, and she worried that she was failing her young daughter, Olympia. Aww. And I just think moms never feel like they're enough. Right. We feel inadequate. Absolutely. And for her 9 million Instagram followers, they felt a sense of relief when Serena shared that. Yeah. Shared her parenting concerns and... I just, I love her honesty. It's a good reminder for moms to not be so critical. Yeah. We're so hard on ourselves. And just to remember, if you're showing up every day and doing the best you can, that is enough. Right. Right. Awesome. So all that to say, Serena Williams has had some bad behavior, just like the rest of us. Like I said, she was a, she talks about being a bratty little sister. Yeah. But she's done things she regrets. But she doesn't dwell on them. Instead, she's learned from them. I admire her feisty spirit and ability to put herself out there. She's confident in who she is. And I absolutely, I just want that. Yeah. She doesn't focus on the negative comments about her body. That's her, so good. Uh, so yeah. hard. Yeah. Or her clothing choices. People are super critical about her outfits. She dresses for Serena. I love the inner gym bag. She's got OPI nail polish. Which, and <laughs> I, I guess, love the way she dresses. I do too. I think it's just fun. It's but, fun. Yeah. Her favorite color is purple. So I'm like, I love that too. Yeah. She dresses for Serena. And people can accept that or not. That's on them, not her. I just, I admire that freedom yeah. that she's got. She noted that at that orphanage watching those kids, she felt so good helping. And if you can feel good about yourself, you can do anything. Right, yeah. She said confidence changes your outlook. And she, I, for me, I just envision a world with more of this, and that gives me hope. I want to be true to myself, my beliefs, my convictions, and I want to do it with confidence. Yeah. Because I think you can be more and do more and make a, Bigger change. Right, when you're confident. Yes, exactly. So. Awesome. I've grown most not from victories, but setbacks. If winning is God's reward, then losing is how he teaches us. Serena Williams. We have talked in, on our podcast about some pretty amazing kids. We both like yes, stories about yes, kids. I- I heard about this awesome 14-year-old boy, Elliot Cox. Elliot today. Lots of A lot of Elliot. Yeah. (laughs) Elliot, he fell in love with car racing at a young age. His grandfather surprised him with his first go-kart at five. (laughs) That's cute. And uh, so Elliot just had an immediate love for speed, and he's been racing ever since. He's won hundreds of awards for racing, which is pretty cool. Mm -hmm. When Elliot hit school, he really struggled with his schoolwork and he hated reading out loud because kids made fun of him, called him slow and stupid. His parents did a lot of research and at six, Elliot was diagnosed with dyslexia. And after his diagnosis, his parents found a program called the Orton Gillingham, which is a multi-sensory phonics technique program, which is really highly affected in teaching reading for those with dyslexia. Hmm. And around the same time, Elliot met legendary British race car driver Justin Wilson. And Justin Wilson has been very open about his struggles growing up with dyslexia. Mm -hmm. But uh, he told Elliot not to let dyslexia stop you. And I love that Justin just encouraged Elliot, and he just became his hero. He went from hating school to loving school. He used to be embarrassed to read out loud, and this experience transformed him to loving reading and even reading to his parents on the way to races, which is so cool. But then in 2015, Justin Wilson died in a horrible car accident, and Elliot first thought he was going to give up racing, 
Instead, it inspired him, and he wanted to carry on Justin's legacy. So just mm. so he's just 10 years old, and he started a nonprofit called Driving for Dyslexia, where he combined his love of racing and fundraising. He has fundraised over $150,000. Wow. Towards at 10 dis- years old? Ten, yeah, di- for dyslexia mm-hmm. training programs for teachers, mm. which is really cool. So well, because that's so important. It, for That's where they get the help. Right. So his parents are huge Smart. Su- supporters and helped him launch this nonprofit. Dyslexia affects one in five people, so 20% of our mm. population. And most schools do not, you know, teach reading in the way children with dyslexia learn to read. Mm-hmm. So this nonprofit's mission is to train teachers in a real direct, explicit, multi-sensory, sequential kind of diagnostic approach to literacy. Well, if one in five yeah. have that problem. That's a lot of kiddos, yeah, a lot of people out there that yeah. aren't, you know. They also believe in early identification and proper intervention. One of their biggest supporters of this nonprofit is the Dyslexia Institute of Indiana, where Elliot completed the Orton-Gillingham program, which is really cool. And there's a ton of really neat videos on this young man. One, you should check him out on YouTube. One I watched, he's doing a commercial promoting his nonprofit. And then another one, he spoke at the uh, Indiana Indiana House of Representatives. <laughs> he's not going to sue. <laughs> I'm just so blown away by his maturity. And it's so incredible. He turned an obstacle yeah. into something positive for himself and even helped others struggling and with dyslexia. And we're seeing that all, all the time yeah. with our stories. Yeah. Like th- these People tragedies and turning you know, them around. Yeah. yeah. I'm impressed too with his desire to get back at such a young age. Mm-hmm. So, so cool. We need more people like him. We do. And it's at 10. At 10. Well, he's now he's 14, but he started at 10. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's very cool. Awesome. Awesome. So I love these quick questions. Yeah. Getting to know you. Amy, what is your favorite season? Fall. I do like fall. Oh, okay. Yeah. I love the change in color. Pumpkin spice? I'm not a pumpkin spice, (laughs) but I just love love the change in color. Yeah. I just love the change in color. What's your favorite zoo animal? Giraffes. Oh, you know, I would not have guessed that. I like giraffes. They kind of remind me of my middle daughter Lucy. I have a tall. picture of her tall and just, just kind of long legged. I got thrown up <laughs> a giraffe when I was little. Oh, threw no. up on me. Ooh, okay, so that's then, probably not your favorite. And then he ended up not making it. He was really Aww. sick, and that's why he threw up on me. So I don't necessarily. I love giraffes, yeah. but apparently not as much as you. Okay. Because that, that kind of scarred me. What's the most daring thing you've ever done? Well, I think probably um, going and meeting my mother-in-law, um, Cece, in Thailand. And we Ooh. went. She was interviewing yeah. at a school in Chiang Mai, and we mm-hmm. rode elephants. So I thought that was, that was pretty yeah. adventurous they pretty and daring. warm when you're on them? or It was hot and muggy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and they're okay. very actually very their, – their skin is soft. It's mm-hmm. wrinkly, but it's mm-hmm. soft. So, hmm. Um, what's your favorite type of foreign food? I, I love sushi. Mm. Yeah. Me too. Um, is there anything you wished would come back into fashion? Well, I brought a picture of it because <laughs> I love, back in the day, I got my first pair, I think, in fourth grade, Famalories. Do you remember those? Oh, the shoes? With the wavy? Yes. My and mom. I had yes. a, mine were, mine, I was, I went along to the oh. wedges when I was in fourth grade, but I remember oh. what I loved about them is they get those holes in the bottom. And so I'd cram <laughs> a pencil in them and so I'd have these really high heels. I mean, oh, it's so kind of stupid, but yeah. I just, lo- I loved them. They yeah. were so comfortable. They do need to come back. I agree. They're kind, and you know, for us short people, yeah. a little wedge. Perfect. Perfect. 
Optimism is the faith that leads to achievement. Nothing can be done without hope and confidence. Helen Keller. Thanks for listening to Tangential Inspiration. We really want to hear from you. Email us your comments or story suggestions at tangentialinspiration at gmail.com or leave a comment on our website, tangentialinspiration.com. Our website has all our podcast episodes, show notes, stories, follow-ups, and links to websites and books we talk about. Like and subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app, and you can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Have a great week.